Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. This is the host, Kyle Marcott, and today we'll be talking with Mikey Taylor. He is a former pro skater who sold his San Diego-based brewery to Miller and now is doing large commercial real estate deals. What a story, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's a different story, but yeah, thank you. It's mine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, let's, let's break it down because it is definitely a different story. For pro skater, now commercial real estate, there was some brewery stuff in the middle there. I'd love for you just to, to share your story with the listeners. So, uh, so yeah, I started off as a skateboarder. It started off just like I think any normal kid that finds something that he's passionate about. Uh, I just loved doing it. I didn't want it to end. So uh, my idea of not letting it end was to figure out how to get companies to pay me to do it, which led to sponsorships. And then that ended up moving into a career, which in the beginning was the best thing ever. But the challenge with it is I picked something that I love doing that had no longevity to it. It was, uh, you know, no matter what, my career was going to end at a young age. And so through that process, I was trying to figure out what was next for me and ultimately how to take skateboarding and use that to put me in a better position instead of like, you know, from my twenties to thirties, like I had such this awesome life and then from 30 to death, you know, it kind of sucked. That's what I was trying to avoid. And so in that process, I tried a lot of different things. And ultimately, uh, my goal was get to a better place. <laughs> that was it. That simple. Wow, man. That's awesome. So let's talk about that transition from, you know, redefining yourself after being a pro skateboarder. Because I know that, you know, that is a big title. That's a whole, you know, persona and thing that you kind of create for yourself. So how do you shift after such a big thing? Because like you said, it's not a forever thing. So how did you make sure that that transition didn't stop right there? So, so I kind of like thought both of them went hand in hand when I was young. I was like, okay, yeah, like my transition, you know, as long as I figure out how I'm going to get paid, I'm going to be okay. I didn't realize that like, there was such thing as identity and purpose, you know, and, and I remember even being in high school trying to figure out like what I was going to do. I didn't know I was going to be a pro skateboarder. And when skateboarding became my thing, I remember feeling like, oh, thank God I didn't have to figure that out. Thank God I didn't have to like go to school and, you know, go through like, what am I meant to do? And then pick a career. I felt like it was kind of done for me. Uh, and then when my career ended, I was left with who am I? what is the point of my life? What am I even supposed to do? And I was completely lost. And, and in that, I was kind of forced to figure out who I actually was. And up until that point, I was, I viewed myself as a skater. That's like, that was my life. I was a skateboarder and then it turned into a pro skateboarder. So I'm here to skateboard. That was like my, my driving purpose to wake up every day and succeed was I'm here to be the best pro skateboarder. And then when it ended, it was, I mean, dude, it sucked. Like, I mean, it was brutal. There, there's no way around it. It, it. it felt like I was no longer myself. And, and really what I had to do was like find the new thing that, that brought me purpose. And, and what had happened was I viewed my purpose as skateboarding. So my purpose was based in, in an act of me doing something. And then what it ended up becoming is a new outlook of like, okay, this is my purpose now. And then the things I do are just part of my purpose for being here. So it, it was just, a, I was looking at it wrong. I should have had a purpose and skateboarding was the tool I was using to get to my purpose. Instead, skateboarding was the purpose. And when it went away, I, everything went dark, you know? So I, I guess it, 
to, to make it a simple answer, it took me about a year of working through being able to answer the question, why am I on this earth? What is the point of this? And, and through me trying to, to basically have an answer, well, then I actually found my purpose and then everything kind of started moving into order, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's kind of like the Bruce Lee quote, you know, don't focus on the finger, but look at what it's pointing at. Right. And that's kind of a hundred percent. See, that's the difference between you and I, man. You, you, you educated yourself very early. I was like, I had to figure this out through experience, but yeah, hey man, I got lucky. Like, I wasn't having a great time being a pro skateboarder. I probably wouldn't have been educated myself either, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can't really blame you for that, but yeah. let's talk but about no. that. Yeah. Go for it. I was going to say you, you summed it up in one small sentence that Bruce Lee said, and that is absolutely it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I love, I love Enter the Dragon. I'm a huge, uh, yeah, and I'm just a huge Bruce Lee fan. So really cool. But let's talk about that middle part of your journey with the whole brewery thing. Cause that's kind of been like a, that was an interesting thing, right? You're in real estate now, you were in skateboarding, but in somewhere in the middle there, you, you started a very successful brewery and sold it to one of the biggest uh, beer companies. So how did that all happen? So, okay. When I was skateboarding, uh, I, I got linked up with this guy when I was young, I was about 20, and he started kind of teaching me about finance and how to put my money in order to then ultimately get to a position where I was living off my interest. And, and so that was like my first strategy to, this is how I make it out of skateboarding. It was just an investment play. As I started getting older, I started kind of, I really started liking the, the business side of skateboarding. That was simply it. It was like, you know, when I got my first shoe, I was introduced to having to market something, having to sell something, and then ultimately, you know, the benefit of making money off it. And so that enjoyment led to me wanting to start companies. And originally it was in the skate industry. It was a skateboard company, it was a clothing brand. And then it, it, it was kind of this realization that skateboarding is really small. Like it's good to be niche, but skateboarding is so niche that it's hard to build something that transcends skateboarding. And so it, it was that thought process and then me connecting with a couple friends, trying to figure out what could we build where we're taking our lifestyle and the way we market inside of skateboarding, but introduce it to a larger demographic and actually build something big. And my partner one night, we were together like brainstorming ideas and he was like, like, what about beer? Like, we should just do beer. Beer's cool, it's exploding. And, and it was like that conversation that led to let's do a craft brewery and then us kind of fine tuning what we were going to build and how we were going to market it. And then we built a craft brewery. What an amazing story. And from such like simple beginnings to just a conversation, I think that every time I think of starting a business or I think a lot of people do this where we have this big grandiose idea of how it has to come together, like the stars have to align in order for it to be us to be worthy of the success that we want to have. But it seems yeah. like, you know, anyone can make it happen. It really does just come down to execution. The ideas tends to be the trivial aspect of it. So uh, that's really good to hear, honestly. A hundred percent agree. hundred percent. So speaking about missions, starting companies, all that good stuff, you currently are working, you know, you started a company called Commune Capital and it seems as though you guys are very mission based. So I'd love for you just to talk about how your mission's driving that company and, and what is your mission? So the guy who uh, I was introduced to when I was young, who helped me with money, uh, that was actually kind of a ultimatum that my parents gave me for them to feel comfortable with me being a pro skateboarder. And so when I met him, it, it he changed my outlook of, of what money was and how money worked. And he was 
he was such a big component because he started with the foundations, right? Like I, I had this idea of like, and dude, I was, a, I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. My dad made me read that. My girlfriend made me, it was like, I knew the idea, but I didn't, I didn't have the components of actually positioning myself to then become an investor, right? So he started with me on simple things like behavioral finance, how to build a budget, how to separate wants from needs, how to live below my means so that I can maximize the amount of money I do put towards investments. And then once I got to a point of having the capital to invest, then the door opened on investing into real estate. And so much so that even when we started St. Archer, which is the brewery we did, we had to raise money for it. He was the one that helped us build a business plan. He was the one that taught us how to raise money. And so I had this guy ultimately work with me for, you know, 15 plus years. And then all of a sudden my skateboarding career ends. And yeah, I had to work through identity. I had to work through who am I, but I did not have to work through how to make money. And, and for anybody who's listening, who thinks pro skateboarders are like basketball players, we are not, we don't make millions. Like we make good money considering this is our passion, but we don't make the type of money to step away from it. And I was one of the very, very small few that were able to do that. And truthfully, it was because he came into my life, taught me what he taught me, but also gave me opportunities to participate in that I didn't realize were exclusive. I thought everybody had access to it until my career ended. I looked around and went, why am I one of three that are in this position? And so the purpose was really, how do I do everything? His name's Randy. How do I do everything Randy did for me to all of my friends in skateboarding? That was the original. I want my friends that are pro skateboarders to have a great life after skateboarding. And then as I started kind of building it out, I started noticing that, okay, skaters, yeah, but football players, baseball players, golfers, all athletes feel like this. And then it was like, I started resonating with people who weren't even athletes. A lot of sales guys were like, yeah, dude, I don't play sports, but like, I know what you need to like have no security and be feeling like this whole thing's going to fall apart if I step off the gas. Yeah, I feel you, dude. Like, I want to be a part of this too. And then it was like, oh, you know what? There's a lot of people that want the option to stop working or have the freedom to choose what they do when they do it. And and so the mission driven became, or the, 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 the mission became how do I get as many people together to learn about investing, to invest together with the goal of becoming financially free. And, and that's what we set out to do. And we're growing. It's been about two years. Uh, and we are, gosh, I think we're getting close to about 70 investors. So that's the goal, man. Financial freedom, man. It's, it, it, it's, uh, I want as many people to achieve it uh, as, as, as possible. Wow, dude, that's an awesome, awesome goal and a lot of fun too. So that's, I mean, it's great to just come from a place of service like that. And I think that's probably why you guys have been so successful so quickly. So what is the logistics of having 70 investors? What kind of funds are you putting together for that? Um, is that, you know, through Reg D or Reg A or what kind of, how are you guys setting that up? Okay, so uh, I'm just going to say this before I answer that question. Um, so my life was pro skateboarding investing to become financially free and then starting businesses. And there's something about this that I really enjoy that it's business and it's investing. I'm not just investing for myself by myself and no one else. We are actually operating a business and our business is investing. So it's pretty cool to, to blend both worlds per se. Uh, as far as how we structure it, we do funds. So I think what you do, you syndicate, mm -hmm. correct? 
So for, for, for people that maybe everybody knows this, for those who don't, when you syndicate, you're raising money per project. When you have a fund, the fund owns multiple projects and everyone invests in the fund. And it's a, there's a valuation based on total projects that then reflect the share price that you bought in at. So ours is a fund structure. Um, it's a red D offering right now, which means accredited investors only. Uh, that is the thing that drives me crazy. I cannot stand it. And it's been two years now of me. I don't just say me, us, our team, uh, working at creating a reggae or reggae plus offering where you no longer have to make a certain amount to invest with us. So that's what our, our new mission is, is spitting up a new fund. That's a reggae plus offering where I can get rid of the, uh, accredited, uh, accredited requirements. So for the listeners, what is an accredited uh, investor? What what makes that? What are the requirements involved? So an accredited investor means you make a uh, income of $200,000 a year if you're single. If you're married, you combined have to make $300,000 a year, or you have to have a net worth of a million dollars, not including your primary residence. So you have to check one of three. Uh, <sighs> I understand why they try to do it that way. Basically, the SEC's goal is that, you know, you don't market to somebody who doesn't truly understand what they're getting themselves into because real estate, yes, there's risk with investing too. Uh, it's a liquid. You can't just pull your money out at, at will. So they try to create these safeguards where you don't take advantage of people, which uh, I, I am totally in agreement for that. The challenge is they base your the amount of money you make on the smarts you have. And that's just not how it works. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people that make 60 grand a year that are much smarter than some friends I have that make a million dollars a year. Just because you know how to make money doesn't mean you know how money works and doesn't mean you know how to evaluate risk. But that's the world we deal with and that's what we're up against. So uh, I'm really hoping in the next six months this thing's live and uh, – I get to open the open it up. Yeah, so I, I totally agree. The money doesn't necessarily correlate with intelligence for sure. But so so with the reg A, like you're saying, you're able to then what lift the accredited status and accept people who aren't accredited, or how does that work? So yeah, so right now you have to be accredited to invest with us, and our minimum investment is pretty high. It's a hundred thousand uh, dollar minimum investment. So with the reg A plus offering, it doesn't matter how much money you make. The minimum gets dropped down. Typically, it's set around $5,000, which is the minimum. Uh, the requirement, though, is you can't invest more than 10% of your annual income. So if you make hundred grand a year, you can only invest ten grand each year. Wow, I that's actually really like that. That's awesome. I didn't even yeah. know that there was a 10% caveat there. That's, that's a good, I think that's a good safeguard. I think that's probably a better safeguard than the net worth requirement, to be honest. But, but I yeah. totally do, too. Who, who I am totally I, right? <laughs> who are we <laughs> yeah exactly but so let's let's shift into this uh final content question which is what are your thoughts on the economy as far as all the inflation that we're experiencing and some of the money that's being pumped in what are your general like thoughts and, and projections as to where this is all going to go okay so uh i'm going to start by saying i honestly don't know i have like maybe ideas but it's full speculation because we're dealing with something we've never really seen before. Uh, something like, you know, all the money that's getting pumped into the system, we still haven't seen inflation from it. So, you know, I, I, I feel like it has to happen down the road, uh, but we'll see. I, I think, you know, there's, 
there's a lot of experts that are telling you that we're going to hit a phase two. We're seeing government involvement like we've never seen before, which is scary. But you've also seen the, ex the experts be completely wrong over the last two months about just about everything. So I don't know. Kind of how I at least go about it is I prepare for the worst. Uh, we make sure we are in a position to have a lot of cash on hand in case uh, we do see a massive correction and people don't have to pay rent and we aren't able to remove. It's like, uh, that's a bad situation. So we're just, we're putting ourselves in, in a place where we can possibly get through it. Uh, on the opportunity side, I think there's going to be opportunity in front of us. I, I don't see how there isn't. I think office space gets disrupted pretty big. I think retail gets disrupted. Uh, hospitals, or not hospitals, uh, hotels saw like a big, big sting in the beginning, but I actually kind of see them weathering it better than office uh, and retail, but there's opportunity there. I think they're going to see a big price correction. I think there's going to be repurpose opportunity. I think multifamily gets through it actually fine. I think storage does well uh mobile home does well but what's interesting is you're even seeing like different classes affected differently through this than the last recession where you know usually you see the high high-end stuff get hit and then you see like class c get hit but class b kind of performs pretty well uh you're not totally seeing that right now there's a there's a different dynamic happening so We'll see. Where do I think this thing totally goes? I think it goes to one currency. I think the currency is digital. I don't know when that happens. I think that's where we're headed. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I don't know. As long as government doesn't get too involved and, and tries to take over running real estate or the private ownership of real estate, then I think real estate's fine. But the scary part is the government is reaching right now, you know? Yeah, that's a that's actually a scary and decent point there. And I hope that you're right about the centralized currency. I think that could be really fun, um, especially like I was actually listening to the Twitter CEO. Uh, I believe his name's Jack Dorsey talking about how there's some functional aspect for large businesses as far as trying to open up accounts in other countries when you're starting like another branch out there or you're trying to, you know, for him, it's building influence in Africa. Well, it's really, really, really hard for them to open bank accounts there with that currency and all that stuff. So there's a potential for global business to need centralized currency. And those are the guys with money who make decisions actually happen. So potentially if that starts to turn, then I could see it it being a, a really cool thing. As far as like the Bitcoin investing, I don't know anything about it, but I would love to see the centralized currency for like the, the logistics um, of that. That'd be awesome. Totally. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have a ton of knowledge on Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. Uh, but for it, what's interesting is seeing what's at play. And for anybody who believes in the Bible, by last chapter of the Bible's revelation, they talk about all of this basically coming, uh, to kind of the end and in it they talk about one world currency all these things so it's like if you believe in the bible you're like okay i see how it's going one world currency uh most likely it's going to be digital it's pretty fascinating for sure okay yeah there's another reference that i like quite a bit actually too that's awesome man i'm gonna start using yeah. that if that's okay yeah. i'm still I'm totally. totally stealing that 100 <laughs> percent. so look in, in revelation you can use this revelation one world currency and you have there's going to be some type of barcode or uh, uh, mark that you have to have to be able to trade. And so you kind of go around, okay, well, if that's the case and it's some chip or something, well, 
that's going to be doing all my, all my buying. So it's got to be digital, you know? And then with this whole crypto rise, you're like, okay, I see how it's going to start happening. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows, man? You never know. Right. So let's, let's, let me ask you the, uh, the last question that I ask every guest on the show is advice for a 20 something who is starting a business or starting a real estate business. What is the one piece of advice you give them? Oh man. Um, I would say ask a ton of questions. Don't, we have, at least I felt this, and I'm going to lean on you to add to it. But when I was young, I was always trying to have people think I was more than I was because all they saw was a young kid. And so in that, you feel like you need to know everything and you need to like impress them at every moment. But now kind of getting older and looking back at that time, I think it actually would have been more powerful for me to be comfortable knowing what I don't know and be willing to just ask questions. And instead of trying to uh, show them through my words that I know everything, just show them through my action that I'm willing to do. Because a lot of times what now looking at, at the youth and looking at someone like you, if I was gonna invest into somebody, I wanna see that they're willing to go out and get it done. I'm not necessarily looking at them knowing all the answers. I'm just looking at their process in, of moving. And so, Remember, action is the most important and, and humility is very powerful. So uh, be comfortable knowing what you know and always be driving forward to learn more. Yeah, dude, that is- And knowledge really without powerful. action is completely useless. So it's, it's all gotta happen in, in order. Yeah, that's also a good point. For me to add to the, the, the initial statement of, of being yourself, I think that's huge, man. I, I think I grew up a, a more sensitive individual. And so like, like you know, society tells you that as a guy, you can't do that. So I think I've created the, uh, you know, a facade around it, which is interesting because you know, people perceive this being a macho guy as being courageous. But honestly, it's, it's far more courageous and far more brave to be your actual self, as you were saying. And I think that that is something that I wish that I knew and I wish that it was okay for more people to be like that in real life because you don't have to be, you know, the guy, the big alpha guy flexing his chest everywhere, right? It doesn't really, in fact, that person's usually the most insecure and scared. So that's, you know, that's, that's, that was me, right? So I feel that's like right. I can say that, right? I'm not just bashing on like pseudo alpha dudes. I was trying to be that guy for 20 years. So I totally uh, know what it's like, but yeah. Oh, 100%. For me, I wasn't necessarily trying to be like the alpha man. I was trying to have everybody love me. That was like my way of like, oh, I'll be feel good about myself. I have a ton of friends. And so I was sacrificing who I actually was to try to be the person that I thought they wanted to see. The quicker you can get to a point of going, this is me, love me or hate me. Oh, there is so much freedom and power in that. So I, I think it all comes down to being comfortable with who you are though. Yeah, that's amazing advice. So where can people find you if they want to reach out to you on the internet? Uh, on the internet. So you can go to basically Instagram. It's probably like the hub or, or I guess the largest platform. Uh, it's just my name, Mikey Taylor. Uh, from there, you can pretty much find everything. You can find our company, Commune. You can find other ways to get a hold of me. I have a number on my Instagram. You could text me. Uh, that's probably the best way. If you want information on our company, it's communecapital.com. So you can go to our website and get everything from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been an amazing episode. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Dude, my pleasure. Absolutely, dog.